Good morning, everybody. Today we are wearing jerseys or representations of different teams and players. Could people just shout out a team or um, player that you're representing? So go ahead, just shout them out. <laughs> I just heard a couple. Bulls, Cubs, the Bears, Michigan State. I see uh, Purdue. There's some schools represented here. UCLA. Yeah. That, uh, so thank you for participating in this uh, Jersey team representing Sunday. Um, today's sermon, the, past, uh, the um, title of the sermon today is Faith is Lit. Faith is lit. Faith that's lit. Um, some of you may be confused about that. Lit is a, a newer slang term that's been going around maybe a generation or two. I don't think that kids really say it these days, but if you want to embarrass your kids or, you know, try to be a little bit younger in some ways, you could say that's lit. Uh, so lit, it means cool, awesome, exciting, or excellent. So again, go home, talk to your friends, your cool points, you know. In other words, we'll be discussing faith that's lit. So faith that is cool, faith that's awesome, faith that's exciting, faith that's excellent. Turn with me now to Luke, 1, uh, Luke 7, verses 1 through 10. Again, that's Luke 7, verses 1 through 10. I'll give you some time to turn to that if you want. Uh, if you're, there's Bibles in front of you, and uh, I believe we'll have it on the screen. Luke 7, verses 1 through 10. It says, When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion, he heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to, uh, to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes. And that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. This is the word of the Lord. Well, you see, in the, the first five verses of our passage, faith, it's initiated. The centurion, he initiates this by sending the Jewish elders to go to Jesus, just based off of hearing who Jesus was and what Jesus has been doing. Faith is initiated. In verses 4 through 5, we learn that the centurion is worthy. He helped build the uh, synagogue, which is basically like a church today. And just a lot of evidence that this 
centurion is pretty um, amazing for this community. I suspect that part of the centurion's worthiness is his willingness to take steps of faith. His faith was that Jesus would come and heal his servant and that uh, the servant would be whole again and not pass away. And he took a step by sending the Jewish elders. So what are ways that we show steps of faith? We're each representing a team, an organization. Some organizations require a little bit more faith than others that they're going to win or not. Um, I don't know, maybe the bulls, maybe the bears. Bears are down, three and four. But we have faith that they can overcome and reach victory. So what are, what are some ways that have gotten you to this point of faith in your team? I want some people to shout out, why are you a fan of the Cubs? Are there any fans of the Cubs? Yeah. So why are we fans of the Cubs? Why not? <laughs> Loyalty? Tradition? Because they're our team, they represent our city? There, there's got to have been, you know, an initial step of faith that you've taken in this team. Maybe that's even just watching them play on a TV, or maybe that's, uh, uh, you know, buying some tickets. It, it takes a lot of money and time to invest in a team sometimes these days. But you, you need to have taken that first initial step. Maybe somebody brought you to the team and did a great job of being, spreading the gospel of this team. When I was first uh, interviewed for here, I was asked, Cubs or Sox? Um, I said I was a free agent, and nobody has yet convinced me of one or the other, so you all need to keep on working on that. <laughs> My evaluation's coming, yeah. Um, so we see that faith, it, it needs to be intentional. It doesn't just happen. If the centurion was just kind of sitting on his hands, hoping that his servant would be healed, uh, nothing was going to happen the servant probably would have passed away. The, the centurion had to be intentional. He had to take that step of faith. And I want you to imagine yourself as an owner of the bulls. And in the beginning of uh, maybe a few years ago, the bulls weren't doing so well. And so the owner, he had to take some initial steps of faith into making them great and to making them winners of what is it, four and one now? Five and one? So the owner had to do some initial steps to build this team. He had to trade for a player. He had to sign on Caruso. He had to do this and that. Um, so imagine you're that owner, but what if you were a bad owner of the Bulls? What would that look like? It might look like complaining about the Bulls and not really doing anything about it. Like, oh, yeah, this team sucks. Um, I wonder if something's going to happen. Or maybe you're kind of just blaming other people. Like, this, this executive has not been doing his job well. This coach just, uh, we need to fire this coach, which might have happened. Um, or maybe you're just repeating outdated tactics that don't work. Let's do that triangle offense or X, Y, and Z. And... That is an example of how you're not stepping into faith. You're staying in your comfort zone. You're not making changes. You're not 
talking with people, you're kind of just secluded. So in this passage, we see that the centurion, he took the first action by sending out the Jewish elders. He didn't sit around and hope for the best. He also knew that traditional ways of uh, getting a doctor or getting the servant healed wasn't going to work. He had to try something radical. He had to go and ask for this person named Jesus to heal his servant. Where do you need to take initial steps of faith? Is it praying frequently for something to happen at this church? For something to happen in your lives? For something to happen in other people's lives? Is it that first step of faith of inviting friends to a church or to an event, hoping that God would change their lives radically, that, that all of us would work together in bringing Jesus to your friend? Maybe that step of faith is joining a small group. Maybe it's going to the youth programs that we have or even the children's Sunday squad. What is that first step of faith? How many times do we say no for God by not taking that step of faith? In the next part of our passage in verses 6 through 8, we see that faith is agile. Faith is agile. Because of the centurion's initial step of faith, Jesus, he's willing to make this trip to go visit the servant. And in verse 6, as Jesus approaches, the centurion sends out friends to stop Jesus. The centurion may have been trying to honor Jesus because Jesus was a Jew, and back in that time, Jews may have thought it was probably not proper for a Jew to go into a Gentile's house. And so the, the centurion was trying to save Jesus from that, discomfort. The centurion also, uh, he says that he's unworthy, which is kind of strange because if you look again back in verse 4, it's all about how the Jews were saying, this guy's worthy, this guy's worthy. But the centurion's saying, I'm unworthy. Don't, don't come into my house. You don't need to do that. And then in verse 8, he kind of explains that he understands that Jesus has the authority to heal, the authority to heal his servant. And so, these three different steps are different actions of humbleness, of faith. It, it's showing that the centurion has an agility to his faith. I, I don't think that the centurion knew if Jesus would even come. But when Jesus starts coming, uh, the centurion makes like a snap decision and decides to uh, do all these things by sending his friends, by saying he's unworthy. There's an agility to his faith. He's responding to the situations that's are, that are happening around him. I like to go camping. Our church, we've done a camping trip uh, for the past two years now. And one of the things that you'll learn about camping is that you have to have this kind of good response to things that come up. Our last trip, we drove up and found our campsite, and it was covered in mud and some rain. And so we just had to adjust accordingly, put down tarps. I'm glad that a lot of us were more prepared than some others and helped put down some tarps and uh, made the place uh, habit- habitable, if that's a word. Um, we were able to camp there. I found out in the middle of the night that there was a hole in my tent, and it was raining pretty hard that night. And so I woke up, there was, why is my face wet? There was a hole in my tent. And so I had to just deal with that the rest of the night. But I was so glad that Jim decided to be there because Jim Elwine, he had some masking tape and he helped me fill that hole so that it didn't rain on me the next night. 
And just even as a group, you know, the Pinards were there, the Sandals, the Dwyers. Uh, as a group, we were able to decide what would make this trip fun, what would help this succeed and uh, help the kids have fun and enjoy camping. I think in the same way of that agility, of, of um, being able to figure out what to do in these situations, uh, it's the same way we need to have in our faith. Sometimes there's going to be things that are thrown at us that we don't expect. Sometimes faith is needed to adjust accordingly to these things that are coming our way. Maybe there's somebody in your life that gets hurt or is sick, and we have to adjust accordingly. The other part of faith being agile is that we have people around us. There's people sitting next to you, left and right. There's people in each section, and there's people online that we can help each other as a group and decide as a group on how we can make this work, how we can make our church reach the lost, how we can make our church love Jesus, and how we can receive God each and every week, each and every day. So how do we attain a faith that is agile? I think just like whatever takes, or whatever is worth it, it takes practice. Practice, practice, practice. And in, in many ways, we need to put ourselves in a situation where we need to practice our faith. I, I think there are several ways of doing that. Uh, usually that happens during a missions trip. It happens during serving opportunities. But where are we placing ourselves where we can practice our faith? Practice in learning how to get that agility in responding to certain situations. To recap, faith is intentional. Faith is agile. And in the last two verses, we see that faith, it's difficult. We find that Jesus is amazed at the centurion's faith. This amazement, it's not one of surprise. Jesus, it's not something that Jesus didn't expect, but it's more of an amazement that's geared towards praising the centurion's faith. It's amazing that this centurion had such a great faith in Jesus without even meeting him that Jesus would heal his servant. Jesus then mentions that he has not found an equivalent faith in all of Israel. And I think that there must have been a lot of devout Jews during that time in Israel, but there was this one centurion who had greater faith than them all. Faith is difficult, even in a land full of people that should know better. Having faith, it reminds me of this illustration by Donner Atwood. Atwood writes, One night, a house caught fire, and a young boy was forced to flee to the roof. The father stood on the ground with outstretched arms, calling to his son, Jump! I'll catch you! He knew the boy had to jump to save his life. All the boy could see, however, was flame and smoke and darkness, obstructing his perspective. As can be imagined, he was afraid to leave the roof. His father kept yelling, jump, I'll catch you. But the boy protested, daddy, I can't see you. The father replied, but I can see you, and that's all that matters. Just like this boy, we're going to be in situations where everything around us feels like it's in flames. 
There's distractions in life. There's problems. There's things that are unexpected, situations that appear as flame and smoke and darkness obstructing our perspectives of God. But through it all, God sees us. He's there to catch us. He's there with his arms wide open. Sometimes we won't have a happy conclusion like this passage. Sometimes the servant passes away. Sometimes God says no to our prayer request. Sometimes God says not yet. But in the midst of that, that's why it's important to have faith. Because faith, it helps us to see the bigger picture of things. It, it helps us to remember that we're not fighting a losing battle. Faith helps us to remember that we will be reunited with God one day and that there will be no more suffering, no more pain, and there will be joy. Let's take a step further in remembering how faith is initiated, faith is agile, faith is difficult, and faith is lit. Uh, Think about a first step that you can take in faith today. So take some time right now. Think about what's one step I can take in faith in, in regarding to any situation that you might be facing right now. What is one step of faith? Maybe it begins with talking about something with someone. Maybe it's taking action to start something. Or maybe it's praying about something. As you have this idea in your mind on how to take a first step of faith, I'd like you to start lighting a candle um, as a representation of taking that first step of faith. 